Well, hey there, this is Keith. Listen, before we start the episode today, I just wanted to take a moment and speak directly to anyone who might be listening who's still in the closet. Well, the first thing I want to tell you is that's perfectly okay. Do what is best for you when it is best. Never let anyone else pressure you in this decision. But let's say that you are thinking about coming out, or there's a part of you that really does want to come out, but you want to do so very carefully, very slowly, very strategically, and even very selectively. Well, if that's you, my friend, I've got you covered. I want you to go to the show notes and use a link there to check out my Selective Outage Method digital course. I think you're going to be surprised, and I believe it'll help you as you plan your coming out. All right, let's get on with the podcast. Hello, and welcome to Coffee with Keith. Help for us Christian misfits. And the term misfits just simply means sometimes you feel like you just don't belong. Does that describe you? If so, you are truly welcome here, my friend. Hi, I'm Dr. J. Keith Brown. Just call me Keith. And my mission in life is to help my, quote, fellow misfits heal their hurts and move their mountains. Just a little bit about me. For the last 30 plus years, I've had the pleasure of speaking, teaching, and performing as a comedy magician in my in-person events all over the country. I am also the published author of fiction and nonfiction books. And let me tell you, I've had the pure pleasure of coaching and mentoring hundreds and hundreds of people over the last 30 plus years. And I am proud of all those things, but I have also experienced setbacks. I know what it's like to experience true loss, and I know what it's like to be attacked within the faith. So, I want to help those misfits out there to truly heal those hurts and move those mountains. Now, just a disclaimer, I am not a medical professional, nor am I a licensed therapist. So if you need those two things, please do consult a local professional. Otherwise, grab a coffee, have a seat at my table, and let's chat. This is Coffee with Keith. Hello, my dear friend. Welcome to this bonus issue of Coffee with Keith. So glad you could join me. Today, I just want to share with you some thoughts that I had about the transfiguration of Jesus. Now, in the lectionary, um, in liturgical churches all around the world, they use often what is called a lectionary, so that every single Sunday, there are a group of texts. There's Old Testament, Epistle, there's a Psalm, and there's a Gospel reading that churches use. And this has been going on for (laughs) just forever, it seems. And it sort of unites the church international because, you know, everybody is kind of focused on these texts and they sort of run in a three year cycle. So um, the transfiguration of Jesus is a special day that the church recognizes historically. And the text for this coming Sunday is the text from the Gospel of Luke from the ninth chapter begins with verse 28. And I'm going to read through the text and then I want to just share with you some lessons that I derived as I studied this text, which I often do every week. Some eight days after these sayings, and this is when it says these sayings, Jesus has given his sermon in the prairie here in Luke um, to his disciples. And um, it says some eight days after these sayings, he took along Peter, John, and James. That's his inner circle, if you will. And they went up to the mountain to pray. And while he was praying, the appearance of his face became different and his clothing became white and gleaming. 
And behold, two men were talking with him, and they were Moses and Elijah, who, appearing in glory, were speaking of his departure, which he was about to accomplish at Jerusalem. Now Peter and his companions had been overcome with sleep. But when they were fully awake, they saw his glory and the two men standing with him. And as they were leaving him, Peter said to Jesus, Master, it is good for us to be here. Let us make three tabernacles, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah, not realizing what he was saying. While he was saying this, a cloud formed and began to overshadow them. And they were afraid as they entered the cloud. Then a voice came out of the cloud saying, This is my son, my chosen one. Listen to him. And when the voice had spoken, Jesus was found alone. And they kept silent and reported to no one in those days any of the things which they had seen. On the next day, when they came down from the mountain, a large crowd met him. And a man from the crowd shouted, saying, Teacher, I beg you to look at my son, for he is my only boy. And a spirit seized him, and he suddenly screams, and it throws him into a convulsion with foaming at the mouth. And only with difficulty does it leave him, mauling him as it leaves. I begged your disciples to cast it out, and they could not. And Jesus answered and said, You unbelieving and perverted generation. How long shall I be with you and put up with you? Bring your son here. While he was still approaching, the demon slammed him to the ground and threw him into a convulsion. But Jesus rebuked the unclean spirit and healed the boy and gave him back to his father. And they were all amazed at the greatness of God. You know, this is a powerful story, isn't it? It's a beautiful story especially when we think about what had to have happened on that mountain for these disciples to be so amazed. But as I read this story, there are some things that really truly pop out to me, and there are some things that I would like to share with you that maybe might resonate with you. So here are my ideas of how we can get life lessons from the transfiguration of Jesus. And might I add that people have preached and taught on this text <laughs> I've personally heard many, many sermons and lessons on it. And, you know, all of them good in their own life. But this is just from my heart today. So I just want to share these. With you. The first is this. You, my dear friend, are chosen for a purpose because of who you are. Now, let's think about this for a moment. We learned in this story that God comes in this cloud and says the word, this, this is my son, this is the chosen one. He actually says, this is the chosen one. At least that's what the text says. And I think about that idea of chosen, and then you have to look at Moses, the, uh, another character in the story. Moses was indeed chosen by God to be the deliverer of the people of Israel from Egypt. And then Elijah, a great prophet, also chosen by God to, for a divine purpose all chosen. And then these disciples who Jesus handpicked, he hand chose these disciples to be part of his posse, if you will. So they too were a chosen breed. And these three were chosen to go even deeper into the relationship with Jesus. You know what? I think that all of us are chosen by God. We are chosen 
for a purpose. We are chosen to carry out different things for the kingdom of God. And the, that choice is because of the way God made us. It is the way that God equipped us with our gifts, our abilities, our hearts. So I want to ask you today, are you stepping in to your calling? Are you stepping in to the fact that God himself or herself, however you want to refer to God, God called you. God gave you a purpose in life. I believe that with all my heart. It's so different from every single person. Everybody is gifted differently. Everybody is blessed differently. God made you just the way you are for a purpose to be able to be used to further his kingdom here on earth and to serve him with pleasure. Well, the first thing, I, again, I would say is you are chosen for a purpose because, because of who you are. Number two, when we are at the end of our candle, Jesus shares his. What do I mean by that? I go back to the text and I think about these disciples. They're up there. Jesus is praying and, and you know, they probably tried to be faithful. They tried to, to, to pray as well. But it says that the text says that these guys began to, to become sleepy. They they just worn out. And it is in that moment of their most tired being, that give outedness, <laughs> if you will, that Jesus shows up in a miraculous way. That God shows out in an amazing way. And I have to think about you and me and our lives, especially those of us who are truly trying to follow after Jesus and serve Jesus, to follow God, to allow God to use us in any way that God chooses. I know for me personally, there are times when I get really tired. There are times when I feel worn out. There are times when I my battery just seems to be depleted. And I think that God realizes that. God acknowledges that. God understands that. And that is the moment, I think, when God gives us an extra bump. We feel that extra oomph, if you will, from Jesus. We get an infusing of the power. And that most often comes, at least in my life, I've seen when I am sometimes at my most depleted, I feel a resurgence happen. And I know that's not me. I know that's not my own strength. I know that's not my own goodness, my own power. In my belief system, I truly think that that is an empowering of God in a very divine and special moment. And I think he did that for those disciples, and I think he does that for us. And again, I use the, the masculine term from God. And, you know, I don't mean I'm not offending anybody. I don't really care what pronouns you use for God. This is the easiest way for Keith to speak of God, because truthfully, it's the way, you know, I, I've been around this earth for a few times. And um, it's just the way that I've typically always referred to God. So it is my natural way to do that. So um, please accept that from me, because it is the way that I most often do. So the second thing, again, is when our candle gets low, 
I think Jesus cheers you. The third thing is this. The mountaintop experiences inspire us. What do I mean by that? Well, these disciples, were, you know, they, they're in this day-in, day-out life of serving and following after Jesus. And this becomes difficult at times. It becomes, as we just saw, it becomes tiring. But they go with Jesus up to this mountaintop. And I think it's a beautiful thing that the text talks about the prayer. Because it's in this moment of prayer, and I have to believe the disciples were trying to do this prayer as well. They were trying to spend time in prayer. I, I believe that they were faithful, and they, they were trying to do that. It doesn't say that. It says they went up to pray, and it says Jesus prayed, but I tend to believe that the disciples were doing their best as well. But it was in that moment that they experienced this great presence of God. And I think that one of the things God does for us to give us that strength that I just talked about that we receive at times when we are depleted is through those many mountaintop experiences. It's when we somehow feel a, a, just a, a, an increased presence of God in our lives. It's when we just, there's something about us. We almost feel like a spirit of God is just coming into us anew, afresh, giving us enthusiasm, giving us excitement, connecting us in a way with God that maybe we hadn't felt in a while. Those miraculous times, I think, feed our spirit and feed our minds and bless our hearts so that in that connection with God, we can better serve Him. But here's the thing. What did the disciples have to do to experience that? They had to go with Jesus. They had to separate themselves from the crowd. They had to get away from the, from the rest of the people, the, even the other disciples. They had to go and move away to be alone with Jesus. And I think that's one of the things that we as people of God need to do better at. One of the reasons I'm convinced that we don't hear the voice of God, experience the presence of God, and rejoice in the absolute beauty and love of God is because we don't slow down enough to actually experience God. I think for us to have those beautiful mountaintops experiences when God reaches in and touches us in a divine and special way, which I think God does again, we've got to be willing to be quiet, to sit with God, to reflect on God, to just be still before God and say, God, let me know your presence. God, speak into my mind, into my heart. God, bless me in this moment. Let me know that you're there. It's in those still moments of reflection that I think that we are most empowered and impacted. So I guess the first thing I want to do is get a little nosy and ask, how are you doing with that? Are you truly spending time with God? Are you taking those moments to reflect and be silent? You know, the 
history of the church, there have been monastic movements that one of their main purposes is to be still before God. And there are great teachings and blessings that came out of that and still do today if we're willing to take the path. Okay, number four. And this is one that I really think we need to grab hold of. It's in the mud when we can most often splash. It's in the mud when we can most often splash. All right, that's nuts. What do you mean? <laughs> Good question. What do I mean? Well, to me, it's really interesting in this text because once this situation happens, once this experience, once this transfiguration, and that's a fancy word for this uh, illumination, if you will, of Jesus and, and Moses and Elijah. Once this happened, good old Peter, and, and Peter is one of my favorite people in the Bible because Peter just sort of reminds me of myself some. You know, Peter can be faithful at times and he can be nuts at times. He can do great things at times and he can be, well, kind of stupid at times. Sort of like I feel. I think I can as well. But Peter, bless his heart, he's there. And what does he say? Jesus, let us make a tabernacle for all three of you. Let us stay here and, and celebrate and experience this and recognize this. What is Peter wanting to do? I think the same thing that all of us want to do. Peter wanted to stay in that very special place when this occurrence happened and where the presence of God was heard and felt and seen. He wanted to stay in the mountaintop experience. And I don't blame him. After all, wouldn't we like to do that as well? You know, if you're a person who's gone to church for any part of your life and you had a strong faith in any part of your life, whether it was an evangelical faith or a progressive faith or whatever, and you went to church and maybe there was a time that you can recall when there was a worship experience and you truly felt lifted. You felt like your spirit was just high. You, you were on cloud nine. The worship just brought you brought you to a special place. You know, most of us, I think, in our lifetime, those of us who have spent any time in church, may can recall at least one service when that occurred. And it's very tempting for us to just want to stay in that feeling, in that experience for an extended period of time. But all of us know that that's not where the true ministry takes place. The true care and ministry of those of us who follow Jesus is outside of any church doors. It's on the streets. It's in our work environments. It's in our homes. It's in our schools. It's in our neighborhoods. It's in our nations. It's in our world. And the only way we can do that is to get out there and make a difference. So Peter, again, wanted to make this these tabernacles. He wanted to celebrate. He wanted to make this a holy place. But no, Jesus, you know, Jesus said, no, 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 no. We got to get back down. We got to go back down. We got to get back to business. Because when they got back down from the mountaintop, what immediately happened? A father brings his son, who the scriptures here say was possessed with a demon. He began to foam at the mouth. And the disciples were trying their best to heal this gentleman, this young boy, I should say, and they were unsuccessful. But Jesus was not. And this is one of the things that I think, number five, we need to think about. 
the number four was we, you know, we can make the biggest splash when we're in the mud. Basically, we have to be in the world to make a difference in the world, not of the world, but in the world. We have to be where we can impact other people positively. We've got to be where we can encourage people, love people, um, tell people that they are beautiful creations in the image of mighty God, that they are worthy, they are valued. They're not perfect, nor are we. Every one of us makes mistakes. Every one of us, I think, sins in the sight of a holy God. But we are valued in the eyes of God. After all, that is why Jesus came, to show that we are loved and valued. We need to be among other people sharing and caring. That's where we make the biggest impact. But the fifth thing is we have to tap in, I think, to the power of God. For things to happen. When these disciples were down there alone and Jesus was not present, they tried to do what they felt Jesus would do. And yet it says, the Bible says they were unsuccessful. Why is that? Because they were working and trying in their own power. But the moment Jesus comes and Jesus is present, then so is the power. So I would argue, I would suggest that if we as people of God want to have an impact on the lives of other people for the good, then we need to tap into the power that is God. We need to tap into the presence that is Jesus. And if we do that, my dear friend, I think we can truly be disciples of Jesus. We can truly be Jesus with skin on, if you will. We can truly be people who can make a name, excuse me, who can make a difference in the name of Jesus. So what do you think? Well, that's my thoughts on some practical lessons from the transfiguration of Jesus. I hope that you've enjoyed this episode. Um, I invite you to continue to listen to Coffee with Keith. Please do share it with your friends, your family. Um, I just appreciate it. That helps with the organic growth. And also, please, if you can give a five, honest five-star rating to this show. I, mean, I want it to be honest. If you don't like it, then don't do it. But if you do like it, give us a five-star. It really does help on things like um, Spotify and Apple Podcasts. It helps with our organic growth, and it helps people find this podcast. So that's a way that you can help us. If you'd like to donate to this work, this show, um, just a $5 donation. We would appreciate it. You'll find the Patreon link in the show notes. All right, until next time, heal those hurts, move those mountains, and may God truly bless you. Bye-bye, my friend.